Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates and ready to go. Outkick 360 underway. Thursday edition is here. Weekend just around the corner. We're going to have to get today. there. Let's, Let's do it. win today. We will win the day, Hutton. That is, that is our claim. We're sticking to it. We're winning the day. We're almost through the week. Matty Ice is over there mocking us, yep. saying we wouldn't even make it to Thursday. Yet here we are, fired up and ready on to the go. Road, on the road to a great show with Trey Wallace from Outkick.com. He'll be with us in 20 minutes talking all SEC headlines. Armando Salguero with us in hour number two, plus Bobby Carpenter of SiriusXM, the college football radio analyst. He'll be with us in hour three today. Chad, we... We thought Brandon Miller would play. He, in fact, did play last night for Alabama against South Carolina. And then he has a, a, a season's best for him in a performance where he puts up 40, scores the game-winning basket in overtime. And the storyline builds from what was the last 24 to 48 hours. And there was talk and discussion going up to tip-off in Columbia where Alabama was facing the worst team in the SEC. And South Carolina took them to overtime, and the ball was in the hands of Alabama's best player, the SEC's best player, some say NCAA basketball's best player. Greg Byrne spoke before the game with Reese Davis about the fact that had this been someone else other than the star player, would he have or she been able to play in a game? How do you react? What is your response to that? That this is that there is preferential treatment given because of the season that's going on and because of the the level of ability of the player and players involved. Reese, I think that's a that's a fair narrative that people can immediately go to. Um, and what I have tried to think about this entire time is let's let's do what we think is right. Let's make sure we uh, are honest. Let's make sure that we cooperate that we support uh, law enforcement and anybody else out there that needs to be supported through this. And, you know, you can, you can control what you can control. I can't control uh, whether somebody immediately goes to that as their, as their thought on this. What I felt is that Brandon needed to be treated fairly like any other student athlete what should be uh, that's here at the university of Alabama. And that's what's been driving us through that, whether it was whether it was him or whether it was a student athlete on any other team. Well, and so from there, he, he uses the word we a lot, you know, not Nate Oates, not Greg Byrne, who's speaking there, the AD, but we, the University of Alabama. And Pete Thamel asked him, OK, exactly what went into gathering the facts from the university standpoint? Walk us through the university decision-making process for for a decision like this. Obviously, it's not a unilateral decision by you. I imagine it touches a lot of people at the University of Alabama. Can you give us some insight into how the decision to play Brandon Miller was made? So it was ongoing from from the get-go when when the incident happened. Uh, it was conversation between myself, Nate Oates, conversation with myself and the president. We have legal counsel involved for the university. 
Uh, we have uh, uh, our, our, our different offices within the university that are at least aware of it. Uh, and, and, and so we had normal conversations like we do for other issues. And, uh, and that information and was shared uh, collectively. And collectively, we decided that Brandon uh, was able to play. Chad, the, he also said that they did not know, he claims he at least Byrne didn't know, about the text message that was sent from Miles to Miller about bringing back the, the gun until it was out in court the other day. It's all complete BS. Um, the fact that Greg Byrne is saying it's a fair narrative, people that think that he got preferential treatment because he's great at basketball, tells you everything you need to know. That was the one bit of complete honesty I think we heard from Greg Byrne right there. If they didn't know about the text, I mean, that's a poor job by them doing their due diligence. Look, Tuscaloosa police are known across the region for being very cooperative with the University of Alabama. So I don't think that any, any information they could get about this case or get from Brandon Miller, again, if Brandon Miller is being completely cooperative with the police, which I have no reason to believe he's not, based on everything that's, that's out there, wouldn't he tell his coaches that he got a, a – you know, or his lawyer could tell him, you know, he got a text about this when he showed up about bringing the piece and that piece was used to murder someone? He could have told them that. They could have found out this information a number of different ways. So does that not change anything if you just found out about it? If you're Greg Byrne, they're going to do all of these little mental hurdles and clear them and – use all these big words about collectively and we did this and we've done that and we're doing this like we would with any other student athlete. It's complete BS. If this was a bench player on the soccer team or this was a reserve freshman or sophomore on the football team even or someone on this basketball team that wasn't Brandon Miller, that guy or that girl is booted from the university and kicked off the team immediately. People are arrested in America all the time for having done less. And I'm not claiming he should be arrested. By the law, he shouldn't be. If he's telling the truth, absolutely he shouldn't be arrested for it. But let's not pretend that anyone is debating the fact that he transported the murder weapon to a murder. Whether knowingly doing it or not, he had it in his vehicle all night, he brought it to the gunman, and someone died that night because of it. Put that on anyone else that's not Brandon Miller level good, and they are removed from an athletic team. I'm not calling for the imprisonment of this young man. I'm not saying he should be arrested or charged, but he's going to face a civil suit at some point. That's going to happen. And at the least, you suspend him for a month, four or five games, do something. Alabama continues to do nothing all in the name of winning. And that's that's what all they, they're about. And that's what they did last night. They put the ball in the best in the hands of their best player, and he puts up 41 points, but he's facing, and he will continue to face, chants like this from South Carolina fans. There were fights breaking out in the stands last night between an Alabama fan and South Carolina fan. I mean, we're just getting started on this. The chants, by the way, were lock him up. But, Chad, he puts up 41, and he has a stellar performance. But that's what he is. That's what he is. He's a stellar player. 
you want the ball in his hands late, and they won. Did it in regulation, did it in overtime. I mean, was there ever any doubt no. about his ability to uh, <laughs> to dominate I mean, a he, game? I mean, I, th- this was... They played, they, they were slow out of the gate. They, South Carolina cut it uh, to a short deficit, but... He played like he's been playing the entire time. Yeah, they were a 17-and-a-half-point road favorite. South Carolina has been terrible this year. They're, they're the worst team in the net rankings in the SEC, and if not for Brandon Miller, they lose that game going away. No one else could do anything. The strange part about that game was the guy that's been in the news over-delivered yeah. and was terrific and single-handedly won the game, and all of his teammates collapsed last night. Couldn't do anything. Now, is that the weight of all this, the murder on the you know with the, with the teammate and then all this news is that weighing on the teammates and not Brandon Miller I, I don't know but what I knew and what I saw they lined up and that is that Brandon Miller is a terrific basketball talent and the best player in the country and he showed it last night and he avoided disaster for Alabama and what would have been a road loss was talking with Davey, our producer, before the show. If they're playing at any other SEC team last night outside of South Carolina and maybe one other, Ole Miss maybe, yeah. the two worst teams in the conference right now, they lose that game. They're lucky they had South Carolina on the road and not someone else, or they're losing. Now, with that chance of lock them up, here's the good news for Alabama on what's left. they got a home game against Arkansas. They've got a home game against Auburn. And they go to Texas A&M which may be the friendliest fan base in the SEC. They are known for being hospitable and only cheering for their team. It's going to be packed because that could be for the SEC title outright in the regular season. Will Texas A&M fans in a packed house step it up? Because what we saw at South Carolina last night were chants, but as you could hear, you could barely hear it because no one's attending South Carolina basketball games because they're terrible. So they're not really going to face that huge road environment. Example, if this all came out before they played at Tennessee a week ago, how loud are those chants? How nasty is that environment for Brandon Miller there in front of 22,000 people? What about SEC tournament? SEC tournament, unless they play Kentucky, is going to be a very neutral. Yeah, Tennessee could have some fans. But it's going to be a neutral environment for the most part. NCAA tournament. Depending on matchup and venue, probably a pretty neutral environment for them also so I don't know that he's going to get it that bad from the crowd because he's not going to see a truly hostile crowd Nate Oates of course had media availability post game and he started his press conference by apologizing for the events of this past Tuesday and here's a portion of what he had to say quite a game but before we get into the game just want to address yesterday's press conference and my response to the Brandon Miller question. I'm not here to make excuses. But I want to make it clear that I didn't have the details from the hearing that morning since I was coming straight from practice. And I used a poor choice of words, making it appear like I wasn't taking this tragic situation seriously, which we have throughout the course of it. I sincerely apologize for that. I know Greg shared some information earlier today on the situation. I don't really have anything more to add other than what he's already said. So start on Zoom with Nick Kelly. Yeah, Nate, what led the or kind of the decision for Brandon to play today? Well, 
as Greg said earlier, you know, we make decisions based on available facts, and that's what we did here. So, Chad, both guys, Byrne and Oates, are saying that they didn't know about the fact, every detail of what came out in that hearing. After Oates said, yeah, we knew about that in a, a comment made on Tuesday. Uh, the, if both guys didn't know about the test message that was sent and the fact that Miller brought the gun back to the scene, how could you let him play last night if you just found out about that on Tuesday? That's a good point. And that's a, that's a bit of new information, right? I mean, we, we assume they knew everything. Well, it's because Oates said, along. yeah, we knew about that. That's how he started the comment whenever he made the comment that um, wrong place, wrong time. And then he covered by saying, I was coming off the court and you know didn't know that the hearing had happened, and that's why I responded the way I did. Yeah, I mean, that's a new bit of info that would be important if you're trying to make a decision on someone's eligibility or whether or not they're going to participate in athletics. So that that's new info, but... Again, this just goes back to Alabama has just decided that we are going to go full steam ahead. Consequences be damned. Reputation of our athletics program be damned. We are trying to win a national title, and Brandon Miller gives us a chance to do it, so we don't care about what everyone thinks. Now, I, I shouldn't say they completely don't care because they have spoken. Now, granted, you know Greg Byrne goes on with Alabama grad Reese Davis, in one of his interviews, so it's not like he's going to the most hard-hitting journalist that's going to cover Alabama. Speaking of hard-hitting journalism, the question after that in the, the press conference, and I was watching it live last night, was from some Alabama writer who said, can you talk about the mental fortitude of Brandon Miller to uh, score 41 tonight and win that game with all the noise around him? And I'm thinking, man, this is a systemic problem with that school. They're not alone but I do think that they're at the forefront of colleges in a small town where that football, the athletics program, when anyone's doing well, they are fiercely protected by everyone around yeah, Alabama. And it's that always been that in the way. Conference, really. Yeah, and it's, it, but specifically Bama is way worse than I think almost everywhere else and how insulated it is and how people that cover that program cover it because – I mean, has an Alabama person ever broken bad news, you know, about the Alabama program? We have guys on from VolQuest. They've broken plenty of bad news about Tennessee athletics over the years. Other Knoxville media outlets have, have broken bad news or, you know, researched bad stories about athletics there. That, that's just not the case at Alabama. But, I, Hutton, your point is well made about they did get new information. They still did nothing well, with it. Well, they're saying that now. Yeah. Yeah. Nate Oates didn't say that, but again, Nate, Nate Oates' crutch is, I came off the court, I didn't know the hearing was happening that day, I was thrown off guard by the first question, and I answered it in an insensitive manner, and I apologize. Here's the other thing about Nate Oates. The man does not look sympathetic to anything. I, I don't know, I'm not going to crush him over because it just could be his demeanor, but he's going to come across poorly every time he speaks because there's something about the ticks in his voice and his face as he's talking about it, that he looks dismissive of everything. Even when he's saying that he's not and he's taking it seriously, he has a demeanor and tone about him that seems dismissive about all of this and does not seem overly genuine. Nervous. Extremely nervous. Well, the first time he wasn't nervous, the first time he was irritated with the question, I thought. Th that time, I I'll give you that. He seemed a little nervous talking about it. You could tell he was also reading notes from his laptop. Yeah. When you're watching it live, he kept looking back at talking points of what he wanted to say about it. 
Um, but they're going to fall back on Greg Byrne. Greg Byrne has done some interviews now, the AD, and he's going to be the one that's going to issue all you know official statements on it. But look, what happened last night is no surprise to me. An inferior basketball team in the SEC could not defend the best player in America who's going to be a top three or four pick in the NBA draft. And Alabama has reaped the rewards of Brandon Miller ever since that awful night when this happened. And they've done nothing to him. They haven't punished him at all. They will continue to reap the rewards on the court from him. And they are a national championship favorite because of Brandon Miller. And that's what Alabama's concerned about and not much else. Uh, the only person, wrong place, wrong time, was Jamia Harris, who lost her life at the age of 23 with a, a young child. And the focus has been on Brandon Miller and whether or not he should be allowed to play, and he shouldn't be, and Bama's allowing him to play and move forward with it. The question is, in a 24-hour news cycle system that we're in, how long does this last? How long does the focus last on this? Because no one was really talking about Darius Miles Right? It, yeah. It, that wasn't a storyline. Good point. Um, it was a storyline for a night in Nashville as Alabama beat Vandy, and they had an emotional scene in the locker room post game. Then it's just been about Alabama being number one in the country and then playing Tennessee and everything that's taking place on the court. And now the focus is off the court with Miller on the court and remains there as the top player in the conference. Coming up. Here's my guess, by the way, Hutton. Yeah. This will matter through SEC tournament in Nashville. And once we get to the NCAA tournament, it will mostly go away. It'll be all about, can Alabama win it all? But I do think this lasts. I mean, in terms of people on broadcast discussing it, shows like ours talking about it, I think it probably lasts another two weeks you know, through the SEC tournament. And once we get to that Thursday and Friday of the NCAA tournament, it'll go away and everyone's just going to talk about Brandon Miller, the player, and Alabama, the team. Coming up, Trey Wallace will join the discussion. We'll hit the headlines from last night in Columbia. And you can, of course, read his work at OutKick.com. He's got a new podcast up with a very cool guest this week as well. Trey Wallace is next on OutKick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. From 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine, Outkick 360 rolls on. Chad, I'm watching last night, and I'm thinking, I can't look away because you're right. The anticipation was Brandon Miller's going to, you know, hit the game. He's going to lead in the victory. If not a regulation, when it went to overtime, it was setting up for that storyline. But at the same time, and I think you, you sent the text, you were like, man, this is just uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. And it it's is. just weird to me. It is because we're watching a freshman play after a gun that was in his car was used and what has resulted in capital murder, murder charges. Um, and it was done, uh, the, the shooting took place January 15th. And the details of that emerged this past Tuesday, publicly. And he's playing and he's helping Alabama win against a team that has no business playing head-to-head -head with them whatsoever. And I'm thinking the priorities here and the story 
should be about the fact that there's no way he should be on the court. And instead, it's, it's about his performance and the 41 points. You said you thought SEC Network did a great job postgame last night. Yeah, it wasn't SEC Network. It was uh, the ESPN coverage. Kevin Connors, uh, Sean Farnham, and I'm blanking on the third member in studio who was actually the strongest uh, against what was going on at Alabama was terrific, I-, I thought, last night. Asked all the right questions. You know, Sean Farnham said, well, I guess we'll try to separate the basket, the basketball from the murder. And he said, but, uh, you know, the basketball is exactly what I expected. You know, Brandon Miller was great. Alabama's terrific on the court. And uh, the other analyst said, you know, I- I'm, this is really sad because it's taken away from college basketball. This yep. is staying on all of college basketball right now that we have to talk about this with this guy on the court and playing. Uh, I was really surprised with how well they handled it. Kevin Connors even questioned the questions. He said, you know, Nate Oates is going to face better questions than that than he did in that postgame press conference from his own media at some point, and he's going to have to answer those questions. And I keep thinking, too, he really doesn't because he's probably just going to fall back now on Greg Burns' comments and his statement whenever he answers questions about any of it and just move on. Trey Wallace joins us. Outkick.com is where you can read his work. He was covering this game and more. Trey, what did you make of the scene last night in Columbia as Brandon Miller hits 41, including the game winner? At first, I was like, goodness gracious, we got ourselves a good basketball game. Uh, and that's, you know, that, yeah. that's just diving into like, you know, just the college basketball of it. Um, I thought, you know, I to be honest with you guys, I I didn't know how to react at first it was it was it was weird it was espn putting up the graphics and talking about everything during the game and i'm you know i'm i'm trying to think to myself when's the last time something like this has happened where we've had not a, not maybe like this circumstance where we've had some huge controversy and the production has had to talk about it for the entire game, pretty much, and and while we're focusing on a a great game as it's going. So I I I think that ESPN and the announcers did a fantastic job trying to break this thing down. I think that Chad, I agree with you. Post game and pre game, they did a great job. I think trying to narrow this down and separate the two, separate the fact that South Carolina played a a badass basketball game last night and almost beat Alabama. Also over here, Brandon Miller, you got this situation going on with Nate Oates on the sideline. And it was, uh, it was kind of confusing at times, if I'm being honest with you. And then we got to the post game press conference uh, with Nate Oates. And first thing that the SID for basketball says on there, Hey, look, we're going to take questions, but only questions concerning the game tonight. Well, how do you think that went? We got five questions. It was all about Brandon Miller. It was all about Nate Oates. And then they ended it, which I expected. I, I expected that to happen. Um, so I, I I just, you know, I, I sit back, guys, and I'm still trying to kind of wrap my head around maybe what I saw last night uh, and add on to the fact that Brandon Miller probably had the best performance that I've seen of a college basketball player all season long, putting up 41 points. It's just you got you got to take a minute and kind of wrap your head around it and i know we'll talk about this a little bit more but you know what in in this whole situation too i put a lot of the blame on Nate Oates and i put a lot of the blame on the athletic administration at Alabama 
kind of, in my opinion, for the way that they've handled that. And we'll discuss that. But that the, the post-game comments did not match up with what was said yesterday during Nate Oates. I'm sorry, the day before during Nate Oates' press conference. So it, it, it was just a confusing night, especially for me at 12 o'clock, trying to figure out what he was talking about. Well, and it also the detail. So he's... He's asked coming off the court on the on Tuesday um, about Brandon Miller's involvement, and he answers by starting by saying, "Yeah, we knew about that," and then goes into that what caused the uh, the backlash and, and rightfully so the response that we've all had. From right. there, he issues the statement on Wednesday, and then Greg Byrne, the AD pregame, says that he was not aware, he was not told of that detail that the gun was brought back and Brandon Miller had it in his car as he drove it back to Darius Miles, who possessed the gun. It's his legal firearm. The fact that the AD is saying he didn't know about it, and Nate Oates on Tuesday is saying, yeah, we knew about that. What message does that send? That, that first of all said, okay, I'm glad we got to this, Jonathan. Thank you for setting me up, buddy. Uh, this goes to the fact that the communication between the higher-ups at Alabama, the head basketball coach, AD, the communications department at Alabama, in my opinion, failed this situation Um, because you look at, okay, what did we get on Tuesday? We got NATO's coming off the practice court and saying, well, we knew that we knew what happened. We've known about this. Uh, And he kept going back to the Vanderbilt game. You know, he's talked about the Vanderbilt game numerous amount of times about how, you know, they responded at the Vanderbilt game the next day, blah, blah, blah. And it caught me by surprise when all of a sudden we get on a a Zoom press conference last night and Nate Oates is like, well, I I didn't, I I, I didn't know about details. There were certain things I didn't know about. Guys, if we're being honest with each other, you can't tell me that if there is something going on with an athlete on campus, that that coach that administration, the president's office, I promise you the Alabama University Police Department is filling these guys in because they have to know when it comes to if we are going to, like, they had to know, let's just say a week later, are we going to continue playing Brandon Miller? Like, they had to know, they had to ask these questions. I I am not under the, the illusion that, and this is, I don't know how this is going to come across. I'm not trying to knock Nate Oates when I say this, but I'm not under the illusion Nate Oates didn't know everything that went on during that event that night and Brandon Miller's involvement. He said he did. He said he knew we we knew about that. So it's like, what did you not know in between when the incident happened and then the press conference late last night around like 1130? Like it's, and this is, and this just goes back to the the communication part. This is just bad. You got Greg Byrne coming out and saying, "Okay, well, the president's approved it. You know, we talked to some board people. Like, we're good with him being able to play." Nate Oates said that last night, and and that's fine. If you think that he is eligible to play, and you're not going to catch backlash from a lawsuit or a civil suit or any whatever, that's fine. That's your decision, but. It is weird at the same time for them to say, or Nate Oates to say, we don't you know, we we knew what was going on, but now, okay, we don't, there's new evidence. Like, I promise you, 
Guys, this is like PR 101, and you guys know this. You guys have dealt with a lot of teams there in Nashville and nationally. When they put out statements like that, and that attorney put out that statement yesterday, clarifying Brandon Miller, trying to, you know, doing what an attorney is supposed to do, help his client out and do what he is hired to do. You can't tell me Alabama didn't know every single specific detail in that because Alabama released a statement of their own. I think it was like 30 to 45 minutes after the attorney released his. So this is just all perfect timing for Alabama. But then it doesn't make sense when you say, okay, there were some details we didn't know. No, I'm not, I'm not buying that. I'm just not. And Trey, you're from the state of Alabama. You know how media works around the big programs in that state, specifically yeah. Alabama. Um, it strikes me as a situation where Alabama's, the powers that be, just had their fingers crossed and were hoping and praying that nothing would come out until after the NCAA tournament on Brandon Miller's involvement in this. And then when it came out, they were uh, saddened that they were going to have to say something about it. And they also deep down knew that not a single person that covers that program was going to do any due diligence and do any digging on this and dig up something bad uh, against the university or against that program. Do you feel like that they were just kind of sitting on their hands and the info they had in hopes this thing wouldn't be released until after the season? Here, there's a couple things there, Chad. I appreciate that question. Thanks for clarifying. I'm from the state as well. Uh, you, I am very surprised that we got until February 21st and found out that Brandon Miller was somehow involved in this case. Uh, Tuscaloosa is a very small town. I lived there for two years. Um, it is a, 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 if you go to the local restaurant, okay. Um, you're going to probably figure out a few things and hear a few things and words going to kind of spread. I'm very surprised by that part. Um, and that's not a knock at the people down there. But let me follow up their- on that Trey because I'm not surprised. It was always going to be Pete Thamel or someone of that ilk that was going to report this. When was the last time we saw a report? You reported something negative on Tennessee when you were covering Tennessee in that market. When was the last time we've seen an Alabama reporter at any level report anything negative or break negative news about that program? I can't remember a time when that's happened. So that part doesn't surprise me. It's been a while. And and when I say, look, when I say surprise, I mean – I'm kind of surprised that, you know, there 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 wasn't a police detective that was talking quietly. I'm surprised that they're, you know, uh they're they're having dinner, you know, and and somehow it leaks out or somebody mentions the name Brandon Miller. Like I I understand what you're saying. When I when I, you know, when the Jeremy Pruitt stuff came out, I get it. What I I went back and I did my job the next day and yeah, okay, was Tennessee pissed off at me for about 3 or 4 days? Absolutely. We moved past that. I understand what you're coming from when it comes to the Alabama situation in Tuscaloosa. Um, sometimes, I'm not just going to say Alabama, athletic administrations will hold a lot of things over your head. And that comes to access into programs. Uh, that comes into your questions being answered. I can't sit here and talk about what other reporters in Tuscaloosa and Birmingham and Montgomery and Mobile are doing that's that's not my job to critique them We're, we all have different jobs to do as reporters but has there been damning stuff that came out of alabama 
in the last five, I'll just say five years. No, not really. It it usually comes from Pete Thamel or Chris Lowe or or something along those lines. And um, again, that's that's not a knock. I'm just we're just being realistic here. So when I look at this overall, I think that the fact that we got to Tuesday and, and Nate Oates was talking about coming out of a you know practice facility and we said a prayer for all that was involved. I just have a very, very hard time believing that he all of a sudden was caught off guard. Here's another thing too, real quick. The communications person, in Alabama could have said to Nate Oates, and maybe he said something to him coming from the practice facility to the podium Hey man, you're going to be asked about this. Let's here's a statement. Here's something you can read off of. This is the perfect statement I came up with. Read it. We'll be good to go. But no, you go up there and you you put your foot in your mouth. Then you have to release another statement. And it just that's what I'm getting at. Like the communication problem, guys, at Alabama. It seems like it runs through the president's office, then it gets down to the AD's office, and then all of a sudden the coaches kind of deal with it. And Nick Saban, Nick Saban is going to do whatever the hell Nick Saban wants to do. And Nate Okay. Oates. Right. And Nate Oates. Greg okay? Burns. Nate Oates. Greg Burns taking orders. Nate Oates is the fourth highest employee in the state of Alabama. Okay. That comes with a lot of power. Um, I, I just feel like during this whole situation that um, it could have been handled better. Uh, and I'm not talking about like the Brandon Miller and the, in the incident, and all that stuff. I'm talking about everything that's led up to Tuesday. It could have come out better because here's one thing. And I know that they couldn't, excuse me, release the, the so-called information that's in the testimony and whatnot, but that was going to get out. If they wanted to, there's a way to get it out that Brandon Miller was somehow involved in this and try to get ahead of it. A school can easily call up a favor if they want something out into the media, okay? It happens every single day. Let's not sit here and act like it doesn't. But the fact that we went two months without hearing Brandon Miller's name, and then all of a sudden the whole world is shocked on Tuesday when they hear this testimony. It didn't have to come to that. Oh, and by the way, but by the way, the athletic director at the University of Alabama claims that he learned about it on Tuesday. And he's still yeah. he's still stuck with what they've done, which is play Brandon Miller since January fifteenth, January sixteenth in Nashville. Yeah, that's no, my overall thing. To me, that the story is the AD and the head coach are saying two different things. One knew about that's it. That's exactly right. And the AD yeah. that oversees the athletic department claims he didn't know about that detail. That that Miller was sent a text from Davis that said, "Bring me my joint," which is his gun. And he arrives, and there's a shooting that takes place outside of the 1225 sports bar. That that detail to me is extremely significant. And then last night, he's on the court hitting the game-winning shot. You can't tell me with a straight face that Greg Byrne and Nate Oates know two different things about the situation. They're all on the same page. you got to be. In this situation, you have to be on the same page. So I, I don't I don't buy the whole Greg Byrne knew something different. Greg Byrne is Nate Oates' boss. Like Greg Byrne has to report to the president. Greg Byrne is the one that's gonna probably get something from the local police department about this type of stuff. Like I, I'm not 
And I don't know if it was a miscommunication. I have no idea what was going through Greg Burns' head at the time, but I don't buy that the two had different stories and they knew that they had different stories, if that makes sense. So that that's the one thing that, that kind of threw me off about all of it, listening to Greg Burns' interview with Pete Thamel, which, you know, and, and, and I love Pete. Pete, me and Pete Thamel are, are good buddies, but it's not a coincidence that Greg Byrne goes on with Pete Thamel before Alabama plays basketball that and he night. he also goes on with Reese Davis. He doesn't go on with a, a local Alabama a local. grad that's national is the other guy right. decides to go on with. Let me, we, don't, we try not to be naive here on this show or at OutKick, right, Trey? So let me ask you this simple question. If yeah. this wasn't Brandon Miller driving the car that had the murder weapon in it, instead it was freshman Kai Spears, 6'2", 160 from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, that hasn't played in a game yet for Alabama this year, is Kai Spears still a member of the Alabama basketball team after they find out this info? No, he's in the transfer portal right now with a lawyer and trying to figure out where he's going to play basketball next season. Thank you. And I think I did, everyone I did, would probably but, deep down answer that but, question but the same yesterday, way. yesterday, the athletic director at Alabama, Greg Burns, said he learned about that text message detail on Tuesday in testimony. And he said right. he and the athletic department the university treated Brandon Miller like any other student athlete. He is saying that any other student athlete two days later would play. If, they, if the coach wanted to play, they would play. He also said when asked by Reese Davis, what do you say to people that say you're giving preferential treatment to the best player in America over this? And his response was, well, that's a fair narrative. <laughs> I'm thinking, well, duh. Yeah. And then he goes about saying, but we did treat this like we would any other student athlete, and we wanted to be fair to the student athlete, blah, 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 blah. Deep down, yeah. the problem is, Trey, you said that he's their boss. That ain't the case at Alabama. It should be that way. He should be their boss, and they should have a president as a boss. But Nick Saban and, uh, and Nate Oates, they don't have a boss at Alabama. They do what they want. They say what they want. They get away with what they want, and they answer to no one. And that's the problem with making Alabama look terrible in all of this right now. That's, that's my assessment of the situation. Well, I mean – it is, and and look, the the in, the 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 loss of life is is terrible. The incident is is unthinkable. Okay, uh, but the way that Alabama has handled this, man, I mean, you're you're doing yourself no good. By the way, you're making yourself look bad. I don't care if you go on a couple shows and you try to explain yourself. You've had multiple statements that have been released out of that athletic administration building over the last couple of days. You had an apology uh, for Nate Oates. You had a statement after Brandon Miller's attorney released his version of the events. And then you go on national television and you're talking about how Brandon Miller can play. If you want to play that game, that's cool. But I promise you right now, the way I look at Alabama is – they got to fix some things in their communications and in, in higher up department and have a better ladder when it comes to what get out and what doesn't get out. Uh, and, and I think that they could have actually handled this better. And you know what? I think that once they had the facts, like the preliminary facts of this case, gentlemen, maybe two weeks after the, the, the incident happened, I think it would have been very smart for Alabama to release some kind of statement saying Brandon Miller, look, here's Brandon Miller. 
this is what happened. Like you can, you can read in it to how you want, whatever, get out in front of it. Don't wait till two months later, two weeks before the sec tournament in Nashville and three weeks before the NCAA tournament to release something. And then, Oh, by the way, the uh, Brandon Miller will be off the Alabama campus within the next month. Either way, he's going to be off the campus. I mean, he might have to finish a semester, but he's going to go train to be an NBA pro. So it just, it just, it just bad all around. It just, it just, it just stinks. Outkick.com is where you can learn more and you can check out the Trey Wallace podcast with Trey Smith, uh, this week's special guest. Trey, thank you so much, man. We enjoy it. Guys, have a great weekend. Thanks for having me. Thanks, yeah, same, Trey. Same to you. Trey Wallace there. Armando Salguero joins us in the next hour, and we will continue this discussion as well. Crisis team talk next? Yeah. So um, I, it's award season, right? The Oscars is around the corner. Yeah. And we know what happened the last time we saw the Oscars. Someone got slapped. Yeah. So what happens if that happens again? That's next on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. So we remember the Chris Rock and Will Smith deal from the Oscars. I'll never forget it. Unforgettable <laughs> was that moment. Oh, so they, uh, the Academy has created a crisis team. By the way, the Oscars are coming up in March. Um, they've created a, a crisis team, something we've never had before, clearly. We have many plans in place. We've run through many scenarios. <laughs> So it's our hope that we will be prepared for anything that we may or may not anticipate, but we're planning just in case it happens. You know, when Angela Bassett uh, <laughs> slaps the hell out of Kate Blanchett, we're going to be ready with this crisis team this year at the Oscars. This is so stupid. Do you know what a crisis team is? Your security. Yes. You have security at the Oscars. You have all of these huge celebrities that probably have their own security close by, and you have your own venue security. You don't need so, to church it up and call it a crisis team when you just it reinforce security that's there. I anyone could have handled this better than what they did a year ago. They should have allowed security to escort Will Smith <sighs> out of the venue after he walked on stage and assaulted a man in front of the world at the Oscars. It's a very simple concept. Because you were so dumb a year ago doesn't mean you have to change everything. Just be better with your security this year. I mean, so... At worst, you just go over to him during the commercial break and say, hey, can you come back? The problem was he's winning, and they wanted him on stage. Yeah. That can, that's the scenario they've got to and figure that, out. And that's what's even worse. Like the, Your thinking should have been, we can't allow this guy back on stage yeah. because we know he's about to win. we got to get him out of here, and he'll you know receive the award in absentia. And, oh, by the way, we'll be on time on the broadcast finally because we'll have no final <laughs> speech, acceptance speech. So we'll get to, out to the network. On time for the first time ever. Who knows what crisis team even means? It's so stupid. It's called security. Do a better job with your security. Handle it better. Anyone assault someone on television or anywhere else at the Oscars, you, you politely go get them and ask them to leave. 
If they won't get up with you and leave, then you physically remove them from the venue and you go on and give out the award for best editing. That's how you handle this. Uh, speaking of Hollywood, there was an idiot that over the, uh, the weekend, he tried to uh, blow up the Hollywood sign where he was threatening to. I feel like this happens almost every year. Someone tries to do something yeah. with that sign. Dr. Evil style, right? Yeah. Uh, TMZ said that he called the Hollywood Police Department threatening like, hey, we're going to blow up this Los Angeles landmark if you, unless you pay us a, a whopping $10,000. <laughs> the problem was... That's how you know it's not serious with that figure. The problem with this idiot is that he called the Hollywood, Florida Police Department and not Hollywood, California. He called their crisis team which would take that seriously. Does Hollywood, Florida also have a sign that they could blow up? <laughs> Damn it, they're on the water tower maybe again. we got to get there quicker. Maybe a billboard. That Hollywood, Florida water tower, it's a threat once again. Someone wants to blow it up. So, yeah, they, Hollywood, Florida called Hollywood, California and said, hey, there's an idiot that's threatening to do this, but he called us instead. Real smart. The stupidity of people. Is anyone else secretly rooting for an incident to happen at the Oscars again this year? Yes. Just to see how the crisis team handles it? Who's hosting it? That's a good question. Jimmy Kimmel? <laughs> I'm just going to throw out a guess. Is that who's hosting? According to Google, yes, it is. Yeah. Jimmy is the perfect host to help us recognize the incredible artists and films of oh, our 95th yeah. Oscars. Yeah. He'll say nothing controversial. That's exactly <laughs> what you want. He will not be slapped, but he should stage something. I guarantee he's being Guillermo told not to. should slap him should. on stage. Yeah. Headlines next on Outkick 360.